Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. Hey, Danielle, how are you today? I'm happy because I don't have to go to work today. How are you doing, Amira? I'm great because I'm spending my morning with you two. How are you doing, Sarah? I am doing fantastic. And yeah, I've been loving spending my morning with both of you lovely ladies as well. And I'm ready to jump into today's topic because I think goals and early intervention is one of those things that there are a lot of maybe myths. There are a lot of things that people are just aren't aware of or maybe misconceptions. That might be the best way to put it. So let's just dive on in. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mindfulness in Motion, an occupational therapy and educational consulting company. Two occupational therapists with the mindset to educate and empower other professionals, therapists, and OT students looking to enter the school-based world and provide a mindful approach to their practice. You can find us at www.themimproject.com and on Instagram at Mindfulness in Motion with periods to separate the words. I want to jump in today and really just kind of dispel some of these misconceptions about the goals in early intervention. And I think in school, and probably even I know for me as a when I was a new practitioner, I was always taught the kind of formal way of writing SMART goals when I was working with my clients. And this was when I was working in schools and in the clinics. And for anybody that's not familiar with what a SMART goal is, that is the SMART actually stands for Specific, Measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. So all of that to say is that SMART goals tend to be very in-depth. It tends to be very comprehensive in what we are actually adding into our goals. And each goal can be very, very lengthy in what we're actually including when we are writing a SMART goal. But goals in EI look a little bit different than what we are actually taught in school and what a lot of other practice areas do. So Amira, I want to jump to you because being the newish grad here, you're the closest out of the three of us coming out of school and really what you were taught and how to write goals for pediatrics in general, and then what your goals look like or what you kind of had to learn as you were in early intervention now. You are exactly right. I was also taught the SMART goal approach. And I remember spending so much time perfecting my SMART goals, especially in pediatrics. So I was so ready when it was my first time shadowing for the IFSP initial meeting. So this was the initial meeting after the kiddo had qualified and I was with another OT and, you know, I didn't expect them to ask me to write the goal, but I felt very prepared for it. Having never seen an IFSP before, I don't know why I was so prepared, but I was like, I got this. It's going to be a smart goal. So I remember saying something to the fact that, you know, the client will be able to insert four out of four simple shapes and a shape shorter with minimum assist for increased VMI skills in six months. And I, I was just really rambling my way through this goal, but I was so proud of it when I finally got it. And my OT that I was shadowing looked at me and she said, that was good, but not quite what we do in early intervention. And so she looked at the service coordinator and she was like, let's just do the child's name. We'll sit and complete an activity during playtime with family. 
And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't sound very smart at all. Where's the A? Where's the M? So, you know, I went through the list. And so I didn't say anything, of course, during the meeting. But afterwards, I said, hey, I don't think I understand how goals are written in early intervention. I thought that, you know, we needed to include the assist level and we needed to include how many of something that they were going to do during that task. And she just told me, she was like, early intervention goals are much simpler than you were taught. And she was like, it's a good thing. And it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it, it's staying true to support the family as a whole and focusing on what they want to do in their daily routines, in their home. But it's hard because you've been taught to do these really lengthy SMART goals. And that's, you know, not how we do it here. So I learned that the goals were much simpler, but they were just as important because for the family, they're not really focused on, well, how many simple shapes is she doing? But that family just wanted their kiddo to be able to participate during a playtime in the living room. They wanted her to be able to sit there and do an activity with, you know, her sibling or with the family. So the goals were so much more simple because they just revolved around what do you want your child to do? And how is it easy for you to be able to tell when they've met that goal? So for me, I just learned that goals were much, much simpler. (laughs) But I know there's a couple of different areas that we write goals. So Danielle, what are some of the areas that you typically write your goals for? I just wanted to clarify what an IFSP was and what it is, is an individual family service plan, which is very different from what you might see in the educational system, which is an IEP, an individualized educational plan. And again, prefacing on the family-based goals, which I'm not a big fan of SMART goals. I love early intervention goals because they are simple and they are very individualized to each family's needs. Some of the goals that I would develop were a lot of increases the variety of tastes and textures in their diet. I practiced a lot of feeding therapy back East, and that was a really big one. Another one is Johnny will sustain attention for five minutes in a non-preferred task, like super quick, super easy, because what we're really looking at is we're taking those areas of concern and making a goal that is specific to support them in being able to be successful in the areas that are a little bit challenging. Another big goal is transitioning away from a non-preferred activity. (laughs) That's always a fun goal to make because a lot of kids might have preferences as to the types of activities that they would like to engage in all day long and might need a little more support in being able to transition to those non-preferred activities. Sarah, what about you? So I'm going to refer back to our episode three in which we talk about the assessment part of early intervention and how we were talking about the different areas that we look at when we are evaluating a kiddo. And I know that we mentioned that we look at cognition, we look at language, and that's broken down into receptive language and expressive language. We look at motor, which is broken down into fine motor and gross motor, as well as the adaptive behavior and social emotional skills. So typically when I am working on goals, specifically when it is coming directly from an assessment that I have just done, I am making sure that I am touching base and writing a goal for each one of those developmental levels. If there happens to be more concern in a certain area, I might add additional goals to make sure that we're really hitting on the areas of need for that child. But I do try to make sure that I I make it kind of all-encompassing and hit on a goal for each one of those 
areas, as well as I think the big thing that Danielle, you had just mentioned, kind of that family education piece. So we can write a goal about something that we want the families to start incorporating or that we want the families to be doing or something where it's not specifically what the client will be doing, but it is more of that kind of family-based approach. And also kind of going back to another thing that we had talked about in that, in that episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go listen to our assessment episode because I think when we're writing goals, it really ties into the assessment piece as well. But one of the things that came up is kind of the differences in how we go about our assessments. And whereas where I practice, I am the sole assessor. I'm the only person going in and assessing these kiddos. So when I'm writing goals, I am the one that's coming up with the goals in collaboration with the family. But I know both Danielle and Amira, you guys have worked in more of a team-based approach. And so I'm curious how the goal writing looks in that approach because there are more people kind of collaborating and coming together to write those goals. So Amira, do you have anything to add to what writing goals via a team-based approach looks like? So I work a lot with physical therapy and speech therapy. So for an example, with physical therapy, let's say the kiddo is working on sitting independently. So the goal might be that the kiddo can sit independently to play with the toy at midline. Now, the, to play with the toy at midline is kind of my piece of that goal that I threw in. So the strategies that the PT is going to use is going to be to help them transition into sitting or learn to demonstrate protective reactions. And I'm going to be focused on maintaining maintaining the toy at midline, what kind of toy are they playing with, that kind of things. So that's really common with physical therapy. With speech therapy, many times if a kiddo is delayed in language, it could be because of sensory processing challenges. So let's say that the, the speech therapist makes a goal that they will be able to sit and attend to a structured activity to work on language. But in order for them to sit and attend to that activity, that activity might be a sensory bin, or we might do a sensory break in between two activities, or we might do a lot of heavy work activity before we start to really work on that goal. So that's kind of my contribution to that goal. And I'll list that as a strategy. So I might say heavy work before seated activity. So a lot of times we collaborate and it might be in the goal or it might be a strategy that is used to meet that goal. So the strategies are an actual part of the IFSP that we do. So we'll list the goal and then we'll say, what are your strategies to meet the goal? And that might be where I contribute specific sensory strategies. For me, when I worked in a team approach, we wrote all the goals together and wrote all the strategies together. So again, you wear many hats as an early intervention assessor, not just the OT hat. I would create language goals. I would create motor goals. I would create attention goals. So it was a variety of goals that were created. And then together, we would write down a combination of strategies and supports that would help the child meet and the family meet those goals. It's important to note that I would sometimes be evaluating with a teacher or a speech pathologist or a nurse. So together we would be developing language goals and none of us would be a speech pathologist, or I would be working with a speech pathologist and then we'd work together and create our goals, but also encompass those strategies and suggestions. Oh, and also social emotional goals, which can fall under a variety of realms such as speech, OT, and even the developmental piece of it from a teacher perspective. So it's really important to 
to remember that wherever you are practicing, whether you are assessing alone or you're assessing together, that it's important to become familiar with all areas of early childhood development because you might be put in a position where you have to write goals that are not within your practice area, which I also think is just a really cool skill to add to your toolbox as a practitioner within the early intervention profession. So Danielle, I want to jump right back to you because we've said this so many times and I know we're going to continue to say this because it's such an important and kind of pivotal part of early intervention, but that is the family involvement. And being that you have both the practitioner lens, but also the parent lens, do you have any tips or strategies for practitioners that are working in early intervention on how they can better include the family as part of this goal writing process? I loved my IFSP process. After Lukey had his evaluation, we all just sat together. Now, granted, as a professional in early intervention, I had already come up with a variety of goals that I felt would be important. However, that thought process began to shift during the evaluation when I saw it through the professional lens of somebody else and I had to be on the receiving end as the mom. What I can say is very helpful is really try to simplify your explanation of the assessment results. I did not freak out at the low scores that my son received because I understood the nature of the beast when it comes to standardized assessments. However, as a parent who might not have that information, it can look very scary, can elicit a lot of unnecessary fears, and then also wanting to not be a part of the process and saying, no, well, you're the professional. You tell me, what do they need? What do they need? So I've had a lot of parents do that. And now as a parent, it was a very collaborative effort. So when reviewing assessments with the parent, say, look, it's okay that these scores are falling in this range. Where we're seeing that they need a little bit more support are here. Do you think that, do you find that at home? Talk to me about what's going on at home. Talk to me about the routines that are challenging for you at home. Really put it back on the parent to help understand where that area of need is. Because again, the child might be showing up on the assessment in one area of need, but it's not an issue within the routines in the home. So make sure you're bringing it back to where the family needs support in the home. You might not be writing goals in the area of needs that have come up on your assessment plan. It might becoming about through conversations. And that's are some of the most realistic and attainable goals because you've been had that family involvement. You've really opened up the conversation for the parent to understand why these goals are in place and that it's okay that they might have scored, you know, lower in these areas. Just because you have a goal doesn't mean that you're not going to work on so many other things outside of the goal. The goal is just what we're measuring. It's one component. But we all know that in early intervention, a lot of strategies that we're using to meet these goals can help in all areas of development as well. So now that we've kind of talked a little bit about what the goals are, what the areas are, how to involve the family, let's just quickly dive into when the goals are written and then also when we monitor progress. So for me, I will do my assessment with a kiddo and then following the assessment when I'm doing my actual write-up, that is when I'm doing the goals and I'm coming up with the goals. And then we will reassess and check the goals every six months after that, as long as they're within the early intervention program. So Amira, what? when do you write your goals and how often do you monitor progress? 
We do the evaluation and then the service coordinator sets up that initial IFSP meeting that I mentioned at the beginning. So that is when we write our goals. So it might be myself present, or again, I'm in a team-based approach. So another team member might be there, whoever evaluated with me. That is when we write our goals and we essentially just go through all of their daily activities and routines to figure out where the family needs the most support. So whether that's mealtime feeding, playtime, bath time, bedtime, there's a variety of routines that we go through. So we come up with the goals then, and then we assess goals every six months. And then we have the annual review at 12 months. For me, depending on the state that I was in, in one of the states in New Jersey, we would have the assessment. And then two weeks later, the IFSP would be completed, which was when we would write the goals. And then we would do progress monitoring using the ELAP, which is the Early Learning Accomplishment Profile that took a look of the six domains that you are being tested on for qualification for early intervention. And through that, we would meet six months and then at a year. However, certain times we would meet at the three-month mark and the nine-month mark as well, depending on the amount of progress or lack thereof that the child was making during therapy. And then in another state in Pennsylvania, we would have the assessment and the service coordinators would be a part of the assessment. And then we'd actually run right into IFSP right there. So we would do the whole thing in one day. We would assess, then we would have the IFSP, and then we would actually meet the three-month, the six-month, and the nine-month mark before the annual. So again, early intervention is very different from state to state, and there are different ways to progress monitor and check for progress, either on a quarterly or a semi-annual review process. But all in all, you are creating goals at the IFSP, and then you're making sure to progress monitor and check in to see if goals need to be adjusted along the way, or if goals have met, new goals can then be revised and you can continue to work on those. And I really value kind of digging into this whole goal writing process because I think there's a lot that goes into it. And tying it back to kind of what I said in the beginning, I think there, there are a lot of kind of misconceptions about writing goals and the goal process and in early intervention. But the biggest thing for me, and a lot of times when I have fieldwork students that come through, the goal writing process can be very difficult because it's different than a lot of the things that they're taught in school. And there's so many other things that are really playing a role into how we write our goals. So the biggest thing that I would like to say is really utilizing our holistic view as an occupational therapy practitioner in how we come up with the goals. And I think a lot of times as practitioners, we can look at these goals and be like, I want my kid to be able to do all of this, but we really have to bring it back down to what can best be met during that three months, during that six month time period, maybe during that 12 year period. And so, yes, we can try to get ahead of ourselves, but we really need to go back to the strengths of the child, the areas concerned with the parents, what we with our clinical brains saw within the assessments or what we've been seeing within our treatments and really make sure that the goals that we are writing are pertinent to that child and their family and really are meeting the needs of the child and the family. So today we really just kind of laid out our experience in the goal writing process and early intervention, but we want to know how you go about your goal writing process where you are. Does it look similar? Does it look different? Are there other areas that you might consider within your goal writing? You can reach out to us on our website, therealots.com, or you can send us a message on Instagram at therealots of EI. 
We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com, for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention.